I got burnt out on copywriting, which is like, it was just a huge lesson in boundaries. And I was like, you know what? I don't like this anymore. I'm going to burn my copywriting business to the ground and be a coach. And so like, I tried to be just a coach because I honestly, I just wanted to make money. And I thought it was the easy way to make money. So no wonder no one signed up with me because that energy was leaking all over the place in not a good way. So then I had some like come to Jesus moments. And I was like, you know what? I'm a good writer. (laughs) It's fun for me. Like it's not the copywriting that is the issue. Hey everyone, I'm Emily Reagan, and you've discovered Unicorns Unite. This is a podcast for freelancers, service providers, virtual assistants, and curious listeners who would like to experience the freedom and flexibility of working virtually. We're the magic makers, movers and shakers, and the real people doing the work behind the scenes of online businesses. Welcome to Unicorns Unite. Before we jump into the podcast, here's a message I want you to hear. If you're a virtual marketing assistant, it's not just enough to understand the technology. It's not enough to be in the minutia of your client's business. The expectation now is that you can write supporting copy for your client's thought leadership. Every business right now is marketing around ideas, concept, and dreams, and you have to be able to help your clients articulate this in order to make any kind of money and deliver value as a marketing assistant. You have to understand basic copywriting to be successful. Do you need to learn how to write a novel? No. Do you need to set your services up as a copywriter? No. Do you need to be able to write a complete long-form sales page? No. But you need to know how to sell yourself as a writing assistant, be able to write blog posts, show notes, social media captions, client emails, pull quotes, email sequences, you need to be somebody who can support a business owner's dream with skilled copy. And that's why I convinced my friend, copywriter Michelle Hunter, to reopen her virtual writer course. There's only 20 spots. If you want in, join the waitlist at emilyreaganpr.com slash virtual writer. That link is in the show notes. Now let's move on to our episode. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Emily Reagan. I'm so excited to have you here. If you're new to me, welcome, welcome. You caught me in the middle of a copywriting series where we're bringing on some of my friends and colleagues who are copywriters sharing tips. And today we're talking about building a copywriting freelance business, the sister to being a digital marketing assistant. Sometimes it's the next step. A lot of my marketing assistants get their foot in the door. They start gaining clarity and figuring out what they love doing, what they don't love doing with their client work. And quite often, there's a pool of us who love writing. We're just intimidated by this whole field of copywriting. So you're listening to the right show where you can level up, skill up, and bridge the gap into copywriting. Now, here's the thing. If you are a marketer, you need to know about messaging. So keep listening, even if you have no plans to be a full-fledged copywriter, right? You still can learn from the advice today because we are talking about foundations of a freelance business, which will help you no matter what digital service you offer. But copy is also the basis of what we need to be good at to A, market ourselves, and B, be able to look at our clients' digital assets and be able to tell, like, does this miss the mark? Does this hit the right mark? Is this client going to sell well? Like, we've got to have this filter of what is good copy. 
So my guest today, Amy Leisner, is going to talk about growing and starting a freelance copywriting business. Now, here's the thing. Amy is a copywriter and an online marketing strategist and founder of A18 Media. She's actually a member of my digital marketers work group. And it's so cool because we met a couple years ago. She joined my work group and has been able to pick up extra copywriting clients and then turned around and hired two of our members to be her junior copywriters. She used to be the senior copywriter strategist for multiple advertising, social media, and digital marketing agencies before she went to do her own thing and exit the corporate hustle. So now she has this awesome agency. She has a podcast and she has a Facebook group. So if you're interested in learning how to make this transition, to hone in on these copywriting skills and build a successful, sustainable copywriting business, Amy is your girl. Before we jump into this episode, I want to tell you that our Digital Marketers Workgroup is reopening very soon in March. So if you want to make sure that you hit the enrollment window, go ahead and put your applications in. If you are offering any kind of marketing service, if you are doing marketing management, if you're doing copywriting, if you're a creative specialist in this marketing world, we would love to have you. Amy is a great example of one of our workgroup members who's advanced, who's killing it in her business, but still gains a lot from being in a community of freelancers who encourage and support each other. It's a reliable place to get feedback and ask questions. We have monthly mixers and happy hours, networking opportunities, and advanced trainings with guest experts, some who have offered us copywriting tips too and and trainings and whatnot. So get your applications in ASAP. So today's episode is full of tangible tips, how to do outreach, how to interact in Facebook groups so you attract clients, what to do to feel legit, to feel worthy, pricing, lead tracking, all of this, and positioning yourself away from employee to self-employed independent contractor. You're going to love this episode. Let's jump in. So hey, Amy, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you here today. I'm so glad to be here today. Could you tell everyone a little bit about you, what your life looks like? And I'm always interested in what my podcast guests did before they started their online business. I think my audience is so inspired by that pivot, knowing what you did in your past life and how you got to this place now. For sure. I always have to start at the very beginning. I don't know where else to start. So I was born and raised in central Wisconsin (laughs) and I went to school in Chicago for dance. So I have a dance background originally going way back. I decided to move out to California and my first job in California was a traveling preschool dance teacher. So I would go around to preschools and daycares and it's really cool because that company, like I've been working with supporting somehow it was as a teacher. And then eventually it was like in online marketing, which was really cool. And now that same company teaches at my daughter's preschool. So it's like full circle. But anyways, So I was a traveling preschool dance teacher. I got a little promotion to be a territory manager. So then I was in charge of the business side of things. And it was like my first like taste of entrepreneurship because this territory was like my baby. And then I noticed when my marketing materials looked really good and sounded good, more kids signed up for my classes and I made more money. And I was like, sweet. Okay. There's something to this marketing thing. <laughs> like coming from a dance background, you're so far removed, like advertising was bad where, you know, it's like this little, right. I'm oh. never going to do that. But anyways, I like learned that it was actually really cool. And it's like, can be a tool for good as well. Like getting preschoolers into dance class. So 
<laughs> I went back to school. Yeah, I went to school for advertising and just kind of like signed up for it. It was the Art Institute. And I didn't know what I was getting into at all. And the program was like geared for graphic designers to then be art directors and ad agencies. And like I had never even opened up Photoshop when I signed up for the program. Yeah, it was a lot of faking it till I was making it. And then I had a copyright class that was like required in school. And I thought I was going to learn about law. And then I get in there (laughs) and it was copywriting like the words in marketing. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I've always been like a good writer. Like, it's just something that comes naturally to me. And now this is something I can excel at in like the advertising marketing world. And then I did. So graduated. My first job out of there was as a content creator and social media manager for a dance apparel company, which is like perfect. Perfect. Yes. So we thought until you get your paychecks and you're like, hmm this is not cutting it. (laughs) So then I was like, Oh, I need to work in an agency. Like that's what I, I'll be happy when I work in an agency. So I got a job as a social media manager at an agency. And that's when I learned that I am not one for the like agency life, quote unquote. And then I was like, okay, it was like a toxic environment. I was like, okay, well maybe if I have the title of copywriter, that'll make me happy. Like Cause I was a social media manager. I was like, surely once I'm the copywriter, like I went to school for it, then I'll be happy. Found another agency job equally as toxic. No, still not happy. <laughs> so then I left and I found this perfect on paper agency job that was right by my house. It was like led by women. This had to be it sparked a year long anxiety attack because of all the like toxicity that was from those past couple of years just finally my body was able to process it. And I was like, all right, girl, like we got to make a change. So I started what a lot of us do binging podcasts, like the gold digger. And I was binging social media marketing and the copywriter club, which is how we connected. And it's like at my desk at work, listening to people inspire me to build my own business. Also at work, like secretly doing client work on the side. Cause I was like side hustling. Yeah. So I was like secretly doing that. And then finally there was a breaking point where I told my husband, like, I'm not actually, he told me, he's like, you're never going to be happy until you're doing your own thing. And I was like, you're right. (laughs) So we like talked about it. And thankfully I was able to transition from that lovely agency job to freelancing for them. So I just changed my relationship with them. And then I had the freedom to build my freelance business with still like that cushion of income. Yeah. And then was like, had that just built up clients, built up clients. And here I am today. Are you still working with that third agency? I am. Yeah. Yeah. Story. And I can really relate to your husband saying like, Hey, Amy, you need to be an entrepreneur. Did you have that awareness or did he have to point it out? He definitely had to point it out. Like I mentioned, growing up in the Midwest, like I didn't know any any entrepreneurs or business owners. Like what you did when you graduate high school is you go to college and then you get a job and then you work at that job. And then when you retire from that job, you get to have fun. <laughs> you right. know, it was always like it was this you always work for someone else and then that's what I was taught. So no, definitely not. Didn't know. I guess looking back, there were inklings of that I always had. I was always like, if someone was going left, I don't want to go right. Like always the odd one out. But yeah, I didn't know that that meant I was an entrepreneur. (laughs) 
So interesting. So in my own messaging, I feel like I was kind of in the same boat, like looking back, oh, very clear. I was entrepreneurial. But look at me, like I had an Etsy shop. I was, you know, took on some press release writing. But if you would have said to Emily back in 2009 about starting my own business, I would have just like laughed in your face. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, that's not safe, secure. That's not what people do. Like, I didn't see anyone really doing it. Right. And my have times changed. Like, yes, it's a whole new ball game now. And I, I know the pandemic has sped it up, but I think about with my own messaging, I'm like, I don't think that works because there's some of us that are just haven't seen that inside ourselves yet. From a messaging standpoint, like what would we call that person who's just unaware? I kind of sometimes call them the accidental freelancer, but like what headspace are they in? They just know they're not happy, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's if we've always been like a little different or maybe felt like an outsider a little, and even if it's been in your head, you haven't like felt safe enough to speak your truth, I guess, as cheesy as that sounds. Or I remember working in corporate, like this is a sign too. Like if you're working in corporate and just nothing makes sense, like when they would make me take two 15 minute breaks and then a certain amount of lunch time, I'm like, well, can I just like clump these times together, work through my quote unquote lunch and leave early? Like all these things, you know, like just questioning. If you're a questioner, there you go. I feel like you're an entrepreneur. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. That was always me. And I did that strengths finder and I was a max, I'm a maximizer. So I'm always finding ways to do something different. And I'm not necessarily argumentative, but I always have that brain. And I've just never been complicit. I'm just mm-hmm. not. And I think also if you are treat other people's businesses like your own business, I think there's almost like a like a work ethic thing or like kind of like a deeper attitude thing. Like, I think, you know, you'll make it and you have the brain for this too. Yeah, totally. It's interesting. You did copywriting. I didn't really know about copywriting early on. My background was journalism. I did broadcast electronic media and I did like business minor, but we didn't, copywriting wasn't even an issue for me. So it was definitely eye-opening for me And if I knew what I knew now and I knew my strengths and I knew how much it's valued and how these services are very value-based and paid very well for, I probably would niche in that. Like looking back on my journey, I kind of, I don't know how much of my story you know, but I kind of stumbled into more marketing assistant work and my clients would call me their VA, but I was always doing like the marketing angle of it. But I always just had this knack for like writing, like, oh, we need to just take care of this. I'll just take care of it. And so it really was kind of like a a slow awakening for me. And then you and I met at the copywriter club, which was the last conference as the world was shutting down for the pandemic. And I felt so out of place there because I mean, copywriters are my favorite people, the most witty, they're smart, like you guys are my people. But I always feel like this outsider because of how I started, you know what I mean? But just anyone who's listening, who's like thinking about this, I'm so excited to have this conversation with you because we're going to talk about building a copywriting business and what you've learned along the way. Because I think this would be such a smart way for anyone who's just dipping their toes and trying to figure out like what's the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. One note on that real quick too, like as, so I'll get into this, but I'm building an agency right now and finding someone like your group is like the unicorns, right? And if you have that little sprinkle of I can write copy too, Mm -hmm. like you have no idea what a blessing that is when someone's like hiring someone to do like a little bit of everything. And if you can also write, 
like it is such a relief to have someone who has that skill as well. Like if you like, I like to value stack things like when I'm, I'll talk about this too, but when I'm sending out a proposal or something like that's a great value stack to add when you're applying for jobs is like, I write copy, like own that. If you like writing even a little bit, just take a couple of courses or watch a couple of videos on copywriting and just claim that you write copy and like sell yourself on that. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I couldn't agree more. I see that with my own team because I need someone, my podcast manager needs to be able to write show notes, but she's not necessarily calling herself a podcast manager and you know, a thank you page. Like we always forget about the thank you page. Just like whip that out for me or be able to see when copy sucks and when it needs to be better. Doesn't mean you always have to be the one doing it. So I'm so glad you said this. And a lot of what I do inside my Unicorn Digital Marketing Assistant School is set them up for their clients to be able to work with a copywriter and collecting that VOC and just like having that mind of messaging. And it opens up so many doors, but we all don't need to be the copywriter. So I don't know. I don't even know where I'm going with this, but I always say, if you can write, you need to be at $50 an hour. Like you need to up your rates. You are well out of the $25, $30, $35, what admin fees are, are charging. And pretty quickly you start to see this is what people want. And maybe I should niche in that. So yep. let's talk about your copywriting business tips. And can you give me an idea on timeline? Like how long have you been in business with your own freelance business? Uh, since 2018. Okay. So you've been at it for a while. Yeah. And like in true Ross and Rachel fashion, I took a break for a while. A real break? (laughs) Yeah. I got burnt out on copywriting, which is like, it was just a huge lesson in boundaries. And I was like, you know what? I don't like this anymore. I'm going to burn my copywriting business to the ground and be a coach. And so like, I tried to be just a coach because I honestly, I just wanted to make money and I thought it was the easy way to make money. So no wonder no one signed up with me because that energy was leaking all over the place in not a good way. So then I had some like come to Jesus moments and I was like, you know what? I'm a good writer. (laughs) It's fun for me. Like it's not the copywriting that is the issue. So I went from like freelancing, making decent money, making enough. Then COVID happened and COVID coincided with my pregnancy. Yes. Actually, like, so I got the PPP loan, which ended up paying for my maternity leave, which was like, thank you universe, like amazing. And then maintained my clients, burned everything down, built it back up to like be better than ever. And now it's like an agency at like, I broke the six figure mark just this past year. So. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. I love that we're having you in this copywriting series too, because it's so easy to look at these copywriters who've been doing it for 10 years and they're like, I'm the you know million dollar sales page writer or whatever, and I've got a book and I've got this huge course and it's so unrealistic. So I love that you shared that raw story and so much of it, you know, anyone listening to this, it is boundaries. A hundred percent. Those who are successful, those who charge enough, those who don't burn themselves out, it's boundaries. But that's like a whole nother conversation, I think, for another time. But if you're listening to this, just like, you know, put that little grain in your head to revisit because it's it's super important. But okay, so when I met you, was your agency focused on like the woo clients and the spiritual clients? Were you doing that yet? Well, yes, and so I kind of was, and then that conference gave me real a lot of clarity around my niche. So I was still a one woman show freelancer, but I literally like revamped my whole website after that conference and really owned in on online marketing. So emails, 
social media and websites, which is what I do now. I mean, there was, I was like blogs and da, 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 but those are the top three. Yeah. And for like spiritual coaches or spiritual soul driven entrepreneurs is what I said. So, okay. Yeah. And that's where I've always kind of stepped with, but then I, I'm also open to like the random, like, I love the salt of the earth clients too, like a plumber or like, you know, someone who just really needs this help. And they're like very black and white. I don't know. I like to have both. I think that is good that you can play and have fun and make that call. Like you can, you can have your niche, you can have your cake and you can eat it too. Right. Like you can just make that decision. I think that's the the powerful thing about a freelance business and when you're self-employed, but I don't like to be roped down to one thing. Like I just like variety. Sometimes my brain just needs that. And sometimes other industries will just like help you hone in where you're at now too. So, oh my gosh. Okay. So what- a break from the same content all the time. I feel like yeah. it's good for your brain to like, yes, sometimes I agree. That's kind of what I was trying to say, like less articulately. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Tell me what, what have you learned building a copywriting business or what tips do you want to share with us today? Yeah. So I want to think back to when like, I very, very first started. I like giving granular, like specific tips. So if you're like me and you're at a job that is okay, but you like have this inkling to start your own thing, I would get up an hour earlier than I like an hour before my normal get up time when I was first starting this business. Like that's just what I did. I had to fit in the time. So I'd carve out an hour early, early in the morning and I would work on my business. So what would that look like? I would cold email clients. So I would literally create a spreadsheet, do some research on who I wanted to work with. I've been through iteration after iteration of niche too. Like just to be clear, like this one came clear to me like a couple years ago, but when I was first starting, it was all over the place. And I wanted to like target small local businesses at first. Okay. So I literally did a Google search searching for businesses I wanted to work with, made a spreadsheet, found their contact info, sent them. I would look at their website and be like, wow, their blog hasn't been posted on since 2014. Like (laughs) maybe they can (laughs) use some help with that. So that's my tip with cold emailing too, or cold messaging, I guess, is like make it very customized to the person. You can have a general template of what you send out, but you want to make it custom to the person, compliment them first. Yes. Tell them how much you love their work. Tell them, you know, how great they are, how much you love their website, blah, 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 blah. And then offer a little like value, like an opportunity. Oh, I see in your blog that you haven't posted in since this date. I could definitely help you with that. And like having a blog on your website is really valuable because X, Y, Z. So you're offering them value in the email itself. Like even if they don't work with you, they just got educated that they should have their blog and you told them why. So like, don't feel bad about cold emailing or pitching because you're still offering a service like in that email itself. And then I would, you know, say, offer what I do, offer, like invite them for a call or to connect or just email me back, whatever. And then I just did that like day after day, like 10 messages a day for a while until you gain momentum and get, most people won't reply. (laughs) So It's a numbers game. game. It really is. I mean, there's energetics behind it and all that, but it truly is a numbers game. So I would do that to start and then get momentum, gain confidence. Um, I got a few small projects through that. I posted an ad on Craigslist when I first started. (laughs) This ages me a little bit. (laughs) The subject line was, need a blogger? Question mark. 
something like that. And I got so many responses. And one of my clients that I got through that Craigslist ad, I started writing blogs for her at $50 a blog. Do not recommend. That is no. <laughs> <laughs> but it did, it like did gain momentum. So yeah. I truly believe that when you're first starting out, you need to get your reps in. If that means doing a few small projects that like increases your experience, makes you feel more confident, gives you some portfolio pieces, just like suck it up and do it for a little bit. Like, Amen. <laughs> Preach it. I couldn't agree with that more. Yeah. So I worked with her for like a while. And then the time came where I was like, this $50 a blog does not feel in alignment with where I am, like the, and I believe in energy exchanges and it was off. So I said, Hey, just so you know, like I'm raising my prices. I'm going to grandfather you in for the next two months where we are now, but it's going to go to here at this time. And then you can decide if you want to keep working together. So I feel like that was like a really respectful way for both of us. She ended up not continue with me, but I had that cushion of like work to find, you know, someone who was comfortable with my new rates. And then she ended up selling me my first house anyway. So it was a, woman. <laughs> was a real estate agent. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so funny. What was your hike? Do you remember what your hike was? Did you like double your rates or something crazy? I, I more than, I think I went to like 130 or something. Oh yeah. So like on a budget standpoint, that's a lot for her, but you, you know, she had the choice, right? It was ultimately... Yeah. Okay. And still for a blog, you and I both know that still, you know, kind of. It was, yeah, they were robust. Like I was driving my ass around Long Beach, like taking actual pictures of local businesses and like interviewing people. Like it was a heavy lift blog. It was like Google search and then I'm going to, you know, so. Oh my God. You're you're like building content from scratch from your own in-person interviews and you're you're providing creative it's okay. It's okay. I was $10 an hour. Like I'm a commodity when I first started because I didn't know any better. I was like, oh, I'll do your Pinterest. I'll do all of your SEO and graphics. And I just, you know, we, we all learn. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so I did all that started building up and then, oh, another really powerful way that I found clients when I was first starting was in Facebook groups. So like the women helping women entrepreneur group is huge on Facebook. And I know now they had different, like more localized, like kind of branches of that. So taking advantage of like SEO on Facebook and on social media, like getting in the conversation, showing up as the, you know, go-to person in whatever your niche is, I really have built the vast majority of my business on referrals. And it's because like, I make it clear what I do. There's also a part of my human design that makes me like, that's kind of how I meant to attract people. Oh, through what are you? A manifesting generator. Okay. Okay. Emotional. Yeah. Yeah. So just really getting myself out there and making it easy for people to refer other people to me. So I work with coaches mostly now. I have a lot of coach friends as well. So because I work with spiritual coaches and I help them with social media, emails, and website copy, it's really easy to kind of remember, you know, someone hears someone who needs that service and to send them over to me. And then I create a really good product. So that's another level of making referrals easy is making it clear what you do and doing a good job at it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like that specificity, like, because I know in my own world, you're one of the members of our work group. But when I hear people who need the spiritual and the, the woo clients, and like, whether you're taking them or not, I'm going to throw your name in the hat, I'm going to share and because that's what I associate with you, just like I'm known as the unicorn lady right now, which is kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, I think just get out there, get your reps in and start gaining momentum and then just like take what comes in the beginning. And then you can kind of, you know, own in on what you want, get more specific and kind of picky about what you want to do as it goes on. And like you said, we see these like big high ticket number success stories, but like it doesn't happen overnight. And energetically, like I remember just at the end of last year, sitting on this bed behind me, like crying to my husband, like just wanting to quit how like having a regular job would be so much easier. And again, thank goodness for him. He's like, Amy, like, stop it. Like, no, like you're not quitting. Like, yeah. just, I'm like, okay, you're right. And so then yeah, we all have those moments. As well. uh, yeah, <laughs> I actually want to want to do that because I was doing the same thing. I had my ACL surgery after we moved in here. So it was a little bit over a year ago. And I'm just like stuck in bed, looking at the numbers, like trying to make this course business work. And I was just like losing my shit in my head. I was like, is this worth it? Blah, blah, blah. And like, just like spiraling, which I'm, you know, I'm a realist. I'm not necessarily a pessimist or a Debbie Downer, but we have those moments, which is why it's so important to surround ourselves with other people who can lift us up. And in that case, it was your husband. But I don't think people talk about that enough. Like how often freelancers, I mean, it, it could be so much easier to go back to a nine to five. And then we would hate our life again, right? right. We have to remember that. Yeah. I also think too, like, it's easy to get in your head about, you know, working on your own and what could happen. Like clients can come and go, clients could quit, but like working in corporate, you could get fired too. Like look at all the cuts that just happened in like tech. So (laughs) just to have that perspective, like anything could happen. So just focus on what's like keeping you happiest, like in this moment. Yeah. Yeah. And the grass isn't always greener in general. So Hey, I'm interrupting this awesome interview with an invite. I'm hosting my first ever open to the public marketing roundtable. Usually this is only for my digital marketing workgroup members, but you can come join us. We are having a two-hour live panel discussion about all things launching. Remember that podcast series I just did? Yes, that registration page is finally ready. So go to emilyreaganpr.com slash a roundtable and you can save your seat. You're going to learn from other freelancers who are doing the work behind the launches. They're going to share what's worked, what they wish they would have done, and help set you up for success to get involved in client launches. Go sign up and I'll see you on March 14th at 12 p.m. Eastern. All right, back to the show. So one of the pieces of advice I get a lot and I stand against, and I think you just said this too, was starting off super specialized. And you just said, uh, take what you can get. And I know there's other copywriting coaches out there who are like, you only do this. And so what are your thoughts on that? Can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. So I'm reading a book right now called The Surrender Experiment. And it's all about this guy's life who he just kind of decided to like what it's called surrender to the universe and kind of take what comes his way without too much resistance. And I feel like I kind of accidentally did that in my life too, was just kind of take what came to me and see where it went. Like, and that's what I think the beauty in that is, especially when you're starting out is to not limit yourself because you just never know what that opportunity is going to lead to. Like maybe this one small project isn't like a sparkling, beautiful thing in your life, but that client who you make happy with the one email sequence or whatever, might have a friend who then that could lead to your niche target, like perfect client. So I just feel like you're, you might be blocking yourself off by not taking those opportunities that don't seem perfect to you or the, like where you think your niche is. If you have the time for it, if you have the space for it, if you have the energy for it, why not 
you're going to learn something new. You're going to meet new people. I just don't see the downside to to those opportunities. Yeah. I see this all the time. People specialize so quickly and the VA world is a little bit different, but you can be specialized, whatever service you provide, like copywriting a hundred percent. But I feel like it's so hard to build your reputation and have that social proof if you haven't done it. And I think just zeroing in in a specialized service and trying to charge premium rates out of the get-go, I've never seen it work for anyone. And yet this is what people are teaching, which just like boggles my mind. And even like in the ad, if we're going to relate it to the Facebook ads sector, nobody wants to hire an ads manager for 2000 a month who's never run a campaign. So how do you get involved in a campaign? You go the digital marketing assistant route and you install the pixels and you get involved and, you know, mm-hmm. but I love that. But then also on the flip side, when do we know when it's the wrong job and we're taking something out of desperation? Like it, it can also go that way. For sure. Yeah. I just talked about this actually in my group today is like, I really am into the energetic side of things and you're going to learn, like your body is going to teach you when something is right and when it's not right. And then also just logically, like when there's a supply and demand issue in your business and you have too much demand for what you can supply, then you get to be really picky and specific. Yeah. Straight up economics. You book out and it's so powerful to raise those rates as well. And Mm -hmm. yes, you get to be picky. Okay. I'm glad you said that. And I'm like, unless you have like years to waste and you're not in a hurry, you can be as picky as you want, but this is not going to build that momentum that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Like some people have financial support coming from various places or you can never like judge people's wallets or get in their heads or whatever. So you do, you you want to, you know, be really narrowed in on a specific thing. Cause like you said, you have like all the time in the world to just kind of do this for fun. Great. Do that. But I just feel like there's something with momentum and gaining those small wins that'll just kind of fast track you to the place where you can be picky and specific and and no one needs to know that you're like your website can be geared to a certain niche. Your social media content can be to a certain niche. But if your uncle calls you and is like, hey, Aunt Susie's friend needs, you know, help with her social media management for her bakery on the side, like why not do that for a little bit? So then, like you said, you can get social proof and use the, those testimonials, you know? You yeah. don't have to tell them what you're doing all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you have any more tips about building your own freelance copywriting business? Yes. Also, make it legit. <laughs> so this is an energetic thing too, as well as like, you got to pay the tax man thing. Like I got an LLC right away, which made it more real, like in my head and also to the government. <laughs> I believe in having a website. So set up a website for yourself. So people have somewhere to go to. So they, it doesn't have to be anything really elaborate, but set up a website, start putting yourself out there on social media, like take advantage of these free things that we have out there. And honestly, like speaking specifically to copywriters, because I know this is a copywriter series. There are copywriters on Instagram. There's a good amount of them, but compared to some other industries, it's not super saturated for copywriters. And I have gotten clients directly through Instagram based on like, it used to be hashtags. I hear hashtags are trending out. That's a different conversation. (laughs) It's actually more SEO focused now on Instagram. But anyways, if you're like producing content, like that is advertising yourself, you know, providing value, all those things, like just get out there. Also 
people tippy-toe around calling themselves a copywriter for some reason, or if they're like, a yeah, <laughs> they're content, they're like, I'm a content writer, not a copywriter, but I want to be a copywriter. I'm like, first of all, I've caused like, I've ruffled feathers calling this out before with like, I don't feel like there's a huge difference. I, I know people have opinions on like content writer versus copywriter, but if you want to be a copywriter, just go ahead and call yourself like permission granted. Like you are a copywriter. That's what you want to be. You don't have to like have tons of experience in order to be that. But the sooner that you kind of proclaim that and decide that identity, the sooner that things are going to like open up for you and just keep going. Like there's a lot to be said about lurkers or about no one responding to your emails. Like we said before, it's a numbers game. So things are going to come to you as they're supposed to come to you. But that pipeline is cut off when you stop talking about what you do or when you give up because you think no one's watching. Do you know how many people are lurking on your content right now and not liking, not commenting, not responding to your emails, but like in the back of their head, they're like, oh, I know so-and-so does this. I just need to wait a week until I get this new contract signed and then I can bring them on. You know, like just have that in your mind that people are always watching. It doesn't matter if they're not engaging yet, but it's your job to keep putting yourself out there keep putting one foot in front of the other. And as far as rates go, 20%, what's it called? It's like a 20% cushion contingency. Buffer maybe? Yeah, like, Learn from my mistakes. I was coming from a corporate mentality of I get paid this much an hour. So that's what I brought into my freelance business. But you have to remember as a freelancer, you're paying your own taxes, you're paying your own business expenses, you're paying all your own stuff. So you have to factor that into your rates as well. So just give yourself a little bit of a cushion. Also, projects always take longer than you always. think they're going to take. So keep that in mind too. And as far as pricing goes, like I know we're taught to price our worth, which I don't even know what that means. But like for me, I needed to incrementally give myself small raises because that's what my system could handle. Like if I was to get on a call with someone a couple years ago and be like, my minimum retainer is $1,000 a month. Like I would have like cried and ran away and been so scared about it. And then they would have been like, what's wrong with her? And then they never would have hired me anyways, you know, but I could confidently like a little bit with a little bit of discomfort, but nothing that was not tolerable. Give myself like a couple hundred dollars a month raise or, you know, 50, whatever it is. Like, don't feel like you have to make these big leaps in pricing just because that's kind of what we're told. I feel like you have to feel good about it. Feel a little uncomfortable, just a little, but don't put so much pressure on you to like have to charge this much because then you're not charging your worth or whatever. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. I couldn't agree more. And I teach this inside the Unicorn Digital Marketing Assistance School. is like stair-stepping it. And especially with those first couple clients, you're like, all right, you've secured someone at this rate, whatever project hourly you do, you, we all, you know, we're all getting there. And then the next time, increase it a little bit. And th like that always felt good with me. Always mm -hmm. do that. And then it also becomes like a kind of a saturation point. Like we we're talking about economics where you get to a point where you pretty much have to yeah. raise your rates. And that's when that's when it's just like you have all the power. Right. And so you got yeah. to work up to that spot. Yeah, I remember I would go in deep rabbit holes about like personal development. And I'm like, I work with coaches. I actually have coaching certification. So I consume a lot of that content. And it's, I take everything very literally is what I'm learning. So I would hear the, this advice about, you know, don't underprice yourself and 10K months, 10K months. And like, it's so subjective. Like, where do you live? What other income do you have? Come, you know, like, 
yeah. don't get bogged down into other people's like money advice, really. Like for me, I had to go back to basics. Like I started an income tracker where I have a column for, you know, just literally looking at my numbers at least every week, if not like a few times a week, um, and being like real about it rather than like, I'm going to manifest this and this, and I'm going to feel into it. Like for me personally, I had to get really like logical about it. And then it did start reflecting in what I was bringing in. Like there's that saying where what you pay attention to or what you appreciate appreciates or what, you know, all those things. Once I started looking at it more then it started coming in more. And I was like, yeah, it becomes your focus. And I'm going to tie it back to what you said about that consistency in your business. When you face your numbers and you know, your numbers and you have goals and that's top of mind that motivates you to do those daily sales activities that you were talking about at the beginning, where you are reaching out and doing some of those things that are so easy to say, I'll just do that tomorrow, because that is the groundwork for hitting the numbers. Yep. So I think that that's just, it's hard as a freelancer, because sometimes we're having more fun doing the billable work and the projects, but that's what's going to get you paid two months out from now, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. It helps me to like, I would use Asana (laughs) for project management just for myself. And I put on there as a task, biz dev, so business development every single day. And then my, I call them money dates every Friday. So, and I love, there's nothing more satisfying than like checking something off a list for me. So when I could go in there, even if it meant sending out two emails or messaging or making a post, whatever, if I could click off that biz dev task on Asana, I was like, yes. And then at the end of the week, I could check off my money date task by looking at my numbers like that felt great, too. So it's like tricking yourself to make these things that, like you said, aren't the most fun things to do necessarily and just kind of changing your mindset around that and like making it fun. Oh, my gosh, that's cool. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So what tips do you have when it does come to pricing? And I mean, I know that hourly and knowing how long things take you is a good way to start, but the copywriting world is such, such a range of things. Like I know sales page writers who are like 20K, 30K. And I think that it's just kind of nuts. Like I could see where it'd be overwhelming or where to start with a copywriting service. Yeah, I think you have to know your market and you have to understand where their head is at as far as what they're used to paying, what they hear their colleagues are paying, things like that. Like, especially with the love of coaches I work with, um, they're like multiple six to seven figure coaches, but it's all a network and they all talk, right? So like, let's just be real. Like they're going to ask their friends like, hey, how much are you paying your social media manager? How much are you paying your copywriter? So like having a pulse on kind of what that industry standard is in your industry helps you price in a way that is going to not scare someone away, but then also not be like, like scare someone away in two ways, right? You can either scare them away that you're too expensive, that that's ridiculous, or that you underprice yourself. And then they're like, well, she doesn't know what she's doing. (laughs) Yeah, she must not be good. She must not be confident. Yeah. So I think knowing your target market, and then also I look up the is it a way there's some copywriter like community or association and they send out a annual report that has the average rates for different copywriting services. I'll try to send you the link so you can put oh, that'd it. Be in awesome. whatever. But I honestly just use that every year. I download that and I look at kind of what the industry standard is, or I just 
Google it. I pretend I'm the client, right? So like how much should I pay a copywriter or how much do copywriters charge? And I kind of see what the averages are. And when I was starting, I saw how I was underpricing myself a lot. And so just seeing that actual proof. So yeah, like you said, it's such a range. It's hard to say. Yeah. Start also like what your um, cost of living is like has a big factor in it, what you're open to. Like I said, I started at $50 a blog and quickly learned that that wasn't supportive. I also like full transparency. When I went from employee to freelancer at the agency I worked for, I only charged them $35 an hour as a copywriter. And that's like very, very, very low. (laughs) Well, yeah, you add on the 15% self-employment tax alone. And I mean, from that $50 an hour, like you're already losing seven, eight bucks, right? So it very quickly will hit you. And then also as contractors, we're saving the money because they're not having to commit to this in-house employee with all the benefits and all of the hours. So it's like, really fascinating when you face your numbers and you see like, you have to do the math and then and cover overhead and pay taxes, other yeah. taxes, like income taxes. So, okay. Can we talk about your move from full-time to freelancer? Because that's like a sticky situation for a lot of people. And I love that you approach your employee or your agency and, and came up with a, an agreement that allowed you to like rework your job as a contractor. Like that was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually heard someone talk about that on the Copywriter Club podcast. Ah, Yeah, and that like inspired me. So hopefully this can inspire someone else. So it had to make sense. First of all, I built a lot of trust with them. Like I said, doing a good job is you have to be good and trustworthy about what you do, build rapport with, you know, your employer. So I also there was a pulse on the agency itself that I feel like it was going to move towards this direction anyways, based on how much work was coming in. So in my head that made the conversation a little bit easier because again, people pleaser, I felt like I was actually, I was doing him the owner a favor as much as he was doing me a favor, keeping me on just with probably less hours. So he'd be paying me less and then I had the freedom to go do my own thing. Looking back, I would have requested, like I said, a higher hourly rate, but live and learn. So yeah, it was just a matter of like hyping myself up, getting a fair amount of those side hustle clients kind of locked down just for extra supportive income. Some people will say, you know, jump before you're ready or whatever. Like that was not my vibe. Like I needed some support there to know that I could pay my bills. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that set up to the side was doing a really good job for the agency, like I mentioned, and had a good relationship with the CEO. And then I had a pre-conversation with the creative director, who luckily is was an approachable, lovely person. Like, so I asked her advice, like, what do you think? How do you think the CEO is gonna handle this request or blah, blah, blah? And then she told me, like, have the conversation, you know? So she kind of gave me that assurance that it's going to be fine. Like it's going to benefit both of you, whatever. So then I went there to have the chat with him. And then he, it was kind of a nice mentor moment actually, because he was like, no, I totally see where you're coming from. Like, I'm really excited for you to start this journey, like go for it. And then I was like, wait, like right now, (laughs) I thought it was going to be like, we're going to end the month as, you know, at your salary and then we'll start. And, but like he ripped that bandaid right off. I was like, okay, so here we go, which is a blessing. It was kind of nice because it was that balance of like jumping before you're ready, but also having like a support system. Then the transition 
for everybody of, oh, where's Amy? Like when I wouldn't, and my hours changed, you know, then he had to learn that I'm not on call all the time anymore. So there was some like adjustment. Boundaries. Boundaries. Yeah. Big time. So there was like a learning curve there a little bit. And also teaching myself that I'm no longer an employee. So I don't need to like be available all the time. And I have more authority and autonomy over like my decisions and everything. And that was an adjustment going from your whole life working for someone else. Yeah. It's a big deal. You know, we can sit here as like entrepreneurs who have been at it for a while we seem confident and all these things, but I was shaking in my boots when I had that conversation with him because it was so unknown, you know, like, I don't know what's going to happen when I don't have this full-time employment, but it's one of those where it's like, you're uncomfortable, but you do it anyways type situations. So yeah. And luckily they've been lovely and still sent me work all through COVID and I still work with them today. So it was like a really good experience. Me. Oh my gosh. I just want to go back to Amy in the past and give you like a big high five because that was ballsy to do that. Big yeah. job. Let me make sure I understood this. Did you have any freelance clients at that point when you had that conversation? Yeah, I had my real estate yeah, okay. agent and I okay. had maybe one or two more. Okay. And so that's when you were in that stage of waking up early and squeezing it in. So you, you had positioned yourself. And then I think once you like tip over the edge, almost like you're repelling, then you just have all more freedom. And I think that is the like probably hardest spot to be in when you're maxed out on hours, you're kind of in this hustle zone, but it's just important not to be there forever. That yes. you did rip off the bandit. You did have that conversation and you went for it. And once it's crazy when you say, I mean, this whole lesson for me sometimes is being like saying no to some things and how many other doors open up. But like when you're ready for it, it's there. So much work out there. I mean, we like the copywriting world. I mean, even with AI right now, it's like never going to change. Like people need help with their messaging. They need help with their storytelling. We're on like so much content. And I think once you see the amount of work, oh my gosh, you can't ever go back, right? Yeah, it's it's evolving, it's changing. Like with AI too, I've been using Chat GPT and I love it because it's like this really easy first draft that you get to go in and then like customize and craft and you know use your knowledge in voice and tone and all those things as a copywriter to make it personal. Like humans are humans, you know. And you're also gonna have to know how to ask these robots the right questions, which right. is a skill that a copywriter has as well. But yeah, it's definitely not going anywhere and the work is abundant. Like, trust me. Oh my gosh. So what advice would you have for someone who's thinking about doing copywriting as their digital service? First of all, I would say love to write. I've had some people come to me like, I want to be a copywriter. And I'm like, do you like writing? And they're like, well, I mean, it's okay. Like you have to like to write. (laughs) That's what you'll be doing all day long. Set a goal that seems reasonable to you to get started and commit to it. So if it is waking up early and sending five cold emails every day, just like little small things you can commit to, to gain momentum and don't stress about a niche when you're first getting started. I feel like that'll come to you naturally as you get more experience under your belt. Proclaim yourself a copywriter sooner than later. So your energy is behind what you're putting out there and just get out there and put yourself out there, take risks. It's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to feel awkward at first, but it's all going to be worth it. It's a really great gig to have. Like I work four days a week. I can go hang out with my daughter when I want to. I can pick my clients. Like I don't have to ask anyone for a time off for vacation, like all those things. 
it's just super fun and you learn about like random stuff you never thought you would learn about. So I don't know, highly recommend if you like writing. <laughs> you sold me. You sold me. I also like the creative puzzle about it and the challenge. Like how can I not do things the same or see things differently? And the journalist and me always loves learning about different topics and being able to share it with other people. And so I feel like copywriting, you, you get to do that. You kind of have to have a love of learning because your clients are coming from all different you know, industries and everyone's business is different. Mm -hmm. So you have to really think on your feet. I mean, to me, it's challenging in like the most fun way. Yep. Okay. So tell everyone about the, so you have your agency, right? Mm -hmm. Tell everyone a little bit about what you're trying to do now and how you're helping other copywriters get started. Yeah, I have my agency, A18 Media, and that helps coaches show up online with authority, authenticity, and consistency. But then I have this Facebook group called the Copywriting Girls Club, and it's this like over 6,000 person group. And I'm feeling the call, like the nudge to support copywriters in a more intimate way. So it's going to be some type of mastermind situation in the second half of 2023, where I'll be working with with you, with whoever comes through in this, (laughs) to build a business that you love, that supports you financially, that is easy on your nervous system, kind of like a mastermind situation for copywriters to build a supportive freelance business strategy and energetics. So like I said, I am a certified coach. I am an NLP practitioner. So we have that side of things. And then the more logical, like setting up a portfolio, prepping you before you have calls with prospective clients, helping you choose your rates, helping you pick retainers, being, you know, your cheerleader, your coach to work through those sticky entrepreneur situations. It's going to be really like high, like intimate, high touch point environment. But I do like groups too, because you can learn so much from like other, especially when it's as specific as copywriters, like it's not just online entrepreneurs, but it's this really narrow thing. So yeah, that's what I'm throwing out there. Think it out into the universe. This is like the first time I've talked about it. So (laughs) awesome. Thank you. So yeah, if you're listening to this and you're like, I want to explore this more, I encourage you first to get in Amy's world. And I will share a link to this Facebook group called Copywriting Girls Club below. So you can click on that and just get in her world and fill it out and start learning and explore it. And don't be intimidated for all the reasons we talked about today to lean into copywriting. So, okay. And I actually wanted to ask you a question while you're here and because you're also a member of my digital marketing work group, which is fun because we have women and men in there who have like different niches. And how has that helped your business? Has it helped at all? Oh my gosh. Has it helped at all? Like, okay. I think I I mentioned, did I mention it in the interview or offline that I like burned my business to the ground and had to build it back up. And I was like, "Mm, I need clients. So I joined your group and you were like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know you needed clients. And I was like, yes, I do. So I started, that was part of one of my biz dev things was like every morning I would scroll through the group, see what opportunities are out there. And oh, here's a fun fact real quick. Men will apply to a job that they think they can do 60% of. Women will apply to a job that we think we can do 80 to 90% of. So if you think you can do about half of what a job listing has out there for you, apply. (laughs) So I, yeah. So in your group, it's funny because I started out as copywriter in the group and I got some amazing clients, like in unique ways that I never even thought would be like one 
it was a coach that I ended up coaching through like her Instagram strategy. We worked together for three months. I ended up writing captions for her, some website copy. I got on a lot of great calls through your group, even if they didn't turn into like paid projects or whatever, getting on calls with people, just getting the practice in is like worth its weight in gold anyways. And yeah, I've gotten, can't even remember how many, but a decent amount of people. And one of my retainer clients that I still work with now was a referral from you. So that's been amazing. And then I've been able to use the group as a resource to help support my agency as well. So it's been this like beautiful, like, like dance of like, here's what I like you giving me what I need. And then also your members like help. I don't know. It's been a great, amazing experience. And I know you do all these really amazing trainings too in there, like as part of the deal, which is amazing. So yeah, it's been a great experience. Yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. You came and hired two junior copywriters from our group to help them out in your business, which I think is so amazing. And it's the essence of the unicorn. You were telling me before we called that you have a client in this specific topic and then someone came from this t- this background. And I was like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. People are like, what, what's up with these unicorns, Emily? I'm like, that's it. When you can combine, like you were talking about your dance with the ability to do any kind of digital service, like you can combine your your hobby, your passion, your interest. It is fun. It's not like my last, one of my last jobs where I'm writing, you know, about FOD walks and DUIs for the Air Force. And I'm like bored as hell. It's like, so fun to be able to combine that and whatever kind of content you know really well. And I don't know. I mean, I'm not a real estate agent, but you're talking about writing blogs and like, it sounds like you were touring your area and probably making content about moving to that neighborhood. I mean, like anyone could do that kind of stuff and have it niched in specific. So that made me happy to hear that we share jobs, but not everyone I tell everyone all the time, just go in for what you want to do. Like you said, like you don't have to do it all. You're, you can get to the level where you don't do this. You don't do that. I only do copywriting. And that's what I want for you, for every one of us to, to be aligned with the topics and the clients and the industries that really light us up. So that's my ultimate goal. So it just made me so happy that you shared that. Yeah, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. And I'm thrilled that you're here on this series talking about copywriting in general. And I just really in my heart believe that having skills that you can start offering in this online space just gives you options and it gives you flexibility. And I know from firsthand experience from working with over 100 clients that not everybody can write. So if you have the gift of writing, if you're creative, you can put those ideas together and put it on paper. Well, like you, you really should explore this. Like I cannot stress this enough. I have friends who, you know, they hadn't worked in 10 years because they had a baby break. And I'm like, you are a smart, bright, educated woman. Like do this. Like we might have to ditch some of your technical writing that you, and unlearn some of that, like MA, AMA or whatever, but you're trainable, you're learnable. You can do this. Yep. Yeah. Couldn't agree more that it's like a gift that you're given and you have the opportunity to monetize it. And even if it is like a side hustle situation, like, like you said, if it's fun, you can be really specific in who you want to work with. And I don't know, I don't see the downside. (laughs) Well, thanks for sharing all your big tips. Like I appreciate it. You just summed up like five years of Figuring it out for yourself or anyone listening is such a big help. And I was like, just like nodding and like shaking my fist. I was like, I just agree with everything you said. So where's the best place to connect with you, Amy? On Instagram. So it's just my name at Amy Leisner. And then in the Facebook group, the Copywriting Girls Club. And I think both those are going to be linked here. And if you want to see me act a fool, you can come on TikTok. 
which is also at Amy Lizer. <laughs> oh, I don't think we're TikTok friends. I'm going to go follow you right away. All right. Thanks, Amy. We look forward to connecting with you in your Facebook group. Awesome. Sounds good. See you there. Right. I hope you learned so much. If you love this episode, will you quickly take a screenshot, tag Amy and I, and let us know? Our DMs are open, and we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know if this helps. We'd love to talk shop. We'd also love to have you join us inside the Digital Marketers Workgroup. Get your applications in soon. And I encourage you to follow Amy over on Instagram and join that Facebook group, Copywriting Girls Club, that she's talking about. I think that's a great way to bridge this transition from marketer, from virtual assistant, into copywriter. My podcast will be successful if you tell a friend. If you find this helpful, if you are enlightened, if the veil has been lifted from your eyes and you see a whole new world of work opportunity, will you do me a favor and tell a friend? Could you also hit subscribe and leave a review? That will help me out a ton. We're going to continue this copywriting series next week. I'll see you then. If you want to start earning income as a digital marketing service provider or digital marketing assistant, you only need your laptop. You can tap into what online business owners really need help with by downloading my top 10 most requested tasks. These are the services I did for years for my clients behind the scenes. You can take this download and apply it to your own business and start by offering these very same services. If you want to niche down in digital marketing, this is your guide. Just use the link in the show notes or go to emilyreaganpr.com slash services. Okay, so I'm making sure I'm recording. It's Friday and I feel like my, my brain is like on this way today. Okay, thanks for joining us. And oh my God, let me not do this right. Okay, just like threw myself off. Okay, thank you. Awkward.